Today's episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast is brought to you by Team LTD, a clothing and apparel brand that represents a community of leaders aiming to defy the social norms of the past. Team LTD apparel is meant for those looking to be game changers and outliers in their industry and who embrace the beauty of putting 100% effort towards the pursuit of their dreams. At the Photographer Mindset Podcast, that's a concept we entirely align with and can get behind. Their apparel is so creatively designed and is of the highest quality, which I can personally attest to as half my closet is filled with their items. Ball caps, toques, sweaters, t-shirts, long sleeves, sunglasses, shorts, joggers, jackets. They've literally got an item for each day and season of the year. Among all their items, I personally love rock climbing and running in their kinetic joggers. I use their Viper styled sunglasses when out having fun on the water and running as well. But ladies, be sure to check out their female lineup as well. From jackets, swimsuits, joggers, rompers, there's a ton of stylistic and well-tailored items to fill your closet as well. There's just really something to be said for the mental effectiveness of the look good, feel good, play good mentality. I truly believe that. Aaron and I made sure to pack some of our Team LTD items when we went to Zion National Park in Utah and Nevada. It was in my suitcase when I went to Spain, and their fall line was glued to my body during the autumn months here on the East Coast. So, if you're looking to better curate or add some more personality to your wardrobe, get outfitted with a brand that stands behind living the dream and meaning it. Check out Team LTD's website by clicking the link in the episode description. And on top of that, enjoy 15% off your orders by typing code TPM15. That's TPM15 at checkout. Team LTD, the official outfitter of everyone living the dream. Here we are. Here we are. I'm just getting over... A sickness, so I sound kind of gross. So I apologize, everyone. If I have to hack, I will spare you, and I'll try and click my mute button as quickly as possible. You sound great to me. I think so. Wow. And now I'm red, not because of a fever. I'm red because I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Actually, Dude, sound I was better. wrecked. I was wrecked. Yeah, I couldn't even you move were. in bed. You know what? I didn't hear from you all weekend, <laughs> which is kind of rare. Like usually you take a, usually it's a, a day, day right? I pick a, a day. So. I did. I did forty eight hours. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was like, uh oh. And now yeah. he, you know, when you're after sick and you have like all this energy, you're starving for life. Uh, That's it's me. Been, it's been, <laughs> it's been constant. <laughs> I'm like, dude, just because you've slept for forty eight hours doesn't mean the rest of the world has. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take it's so it funny. down a notch. I was like. I'm so regimented when I'm, I usually get ill once a year, maybe twice. And yeah. I was so pissed that I got sick. I was like, <laughs> I'm sleeping well, I'm eating well, I'm meditating, I'm doing breath work, I'm doing cold plunges. I should be, you know, untouchable. But, and then I got sick. I was like, you know what? Okay, whatever. It's a cold. I'll pop some extra vitamin C, pop some zinc, and I'll get over this thing in, in two days, max. And I'll be back to running miles, back to be doing pull ups. And then I got, um, the chills on day three and I was like, here we go. Oh boy. Here we go. Here we go. Sickness does incapacitated. not Does not discriminate. Yeah. So, yeah. and then I was, I was, I turned and just like, I get a bit of poopy pants, <laughs> you know, I'm like, why do I have to get sick? This is so lame. Who just like, who made this up? And then I would go back and forth between like, wow, my body's really amazing with all these cytokines, cytokines it's making. And, <laughs> Causing inflammation so that I don't move. It's actually quite remarkable, but I am pissed. <laughs> <laughs> just like thinking it's a death. Yeah. Like just 
the ENTP personality type, just way too analytical about yeah. the whole thing. The virus was in you and it was like, fuck this. This is like, this guy's this annoying. Fun. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not like this like, work incognito. He's trying to, no. yeah, no. craziness. <laughs> but I'm feeling better now. I got to, I got to run in this morning. Um, Good. And uh, you heard from me, so you know I'm alive. You're alive. And um, we're going to continue today with part two of our last episode, just nice and quickly. But we have uh, we have more important news to um, to chat about. Yeah, um, please. I made please that share. really somber, but it's exciting. Yeah, it, was like, <laughs> it was. It was like we have some important things to discuss with everyone. It was very. We have a- a important thing to discuss. People have been asking about the retreat. Is it happening? When is it going to be? We've decided finally. Yeah. Uh, and it's a place that I was dragged to with my parents when I was 13 years old or so. And I was like, this is not going to be fun. And I still to this day was the most blown away of any trip I've ever been on and have wanted to go back so many times and the day has come. Ooh. Is this the national anthem for Canada? It is. <laughs> do you know the words? <laughs> of course I do not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our retreat will be in July in Banff National Park and Jasper National Park. We're going to do a six-night, seven-day trip, all-inclusive. That's your food covered, your transportation covered, everything covered other than airfare. It's going to be sick. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be sick. Sick. I mean, look, look, up, look up the pictures, look up the, uh, the scenery, the landscape, the wildlife. We're, we're going to do it all. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Uh, a bunch of workshop issues um, and moments, a bunch of mindfulness thoughts and mindset uh, exercises, uh, just the camaraderie from last time. Uh, we're still all very good friends and very close, and we want to continue this trend. So, Yes, I I'm think thrilled. last year the... Last year, the uh, the big takeaway, I think, from everybody was the sense of connection. And I think everyone learned a ton from one another. It's not your traditional workshop, you know, where it's all strangers and you don't know each other. I can honestly say everybody who was on the trip last year are lifelong friends. We still all talk. Mm-hmm. That was a life-changing trip for me mm-hmm. personally. This one is, like I said, six, six nights. It's longer. Last year, we did three nights, four nights in Zion. This is six nights split up between Banff and Jasper. We're going to do two nights in Banff, ideally, and four nights in Jasper National Park. The idea is to focus on the beautiful landscapes in Banff National Park. And on our drive towards Jasper, there's tons of beautiful things. But then when we're in Jasper, kind of switch to a wildlife mindset. Not 100% one way, not 100% the other way, but kind of in my experience, I've gone four, like four times now. That's sort of my take is my wildlife lens goes on when I get to Jasper and my landscape lens is on when I'm in Banff. It's a really, really nice balance. And it's a really, really nice way to build a, a beautiful outdoor portfolio 
very, very quickly. You know, in Jasper, it's July. That's bear season. Bears are down in the valley eating the wow. berries. Um, there'll be bighorn sheep, deer, moose for sure. Last time I was in Jasper, I got tons of shots uh, at Moline Lake of a moose, a moose cow and calf, which was awesome. There will be the elk. I, I won't be the rut. Sorry, folks. That's September. But still amazing to see those big animals up close. We'll be staying at Takara Lodge in Jasper, which is a beautiful cabin resort right in town for four nights. So what do people need to do, Aaron? Well, I think just, you know, soak this in and, and pinch yourself. It's, it's not a dream. Um, we're actually really doing this and let us know, let us know if you're interested, if you want more details, we are shoring up the details. We had to get a few key pieces to make sure it's happening. Now we know the dates. Now we know where our lodging is. So we got those few key pieces. So we are shoring up some details, but let us know through a DM or message. You can message the photographer mindset Instagram or our personal Instagrams and let us know if you are interested and we'll just create a list. And as we get details, we'll share in that. Um, usually we make like a group chat of everyone that's interested. We share the details as they come out. And if you continue to be interested, the details will come. We'll figure out uh, where we're going to go from there. And it, I mean, it's going to be a blast. I, I, I can't get over. Seth keeps sending me photos of like, I'd, I'd like to go here. I'd like to go here. And it seems like it's like a planned architecture of the mountains like those mountains are perfectly formed uh to just just frame yeah it's just it's unbelievable how how photogenic that place is and i am uh let alone animals but beyond thrilled to have that landscape behind and and get back out into nature in in the biggest of ways yeah so again that's july 10th July 10th to the 16th. Everything covered other than airfare. It's going to be awesome. Like Aaron said, message either the TPM account or us personally, and we'll put you into a document just to show that you're interested. We have reached out to the people who couldn't make it last year because we did a lottery draw last year because we had too many people. We reached out to them because we promised them that they would have spots reserved first. So guys, get on it, write us, put it, it costs you no money. Just say that you're interested while we hash out our final price tag for this trip. And that's it. Hope to see you there. And that's it. It's going to be awesome. Let's Move on from Banff Jasper 2023 TPM retreat into part two of today. Last time we did five things or, well, the goal was to do five things that we would tell our younger photographer self. We're going to keep this episode short today and finish off our list. And just because we were running out the clock on the on last episode and I wanted to make sure we got through the whole list, which is based off of a blog on our website, you should check that website out. If you haven't yet, the hats are on that website. Our one-on-one virtual sessions are on that website and there's a lot of repurposed content in the form of blog posts that we talk about in these episodes. So check that out. This one was called Five Things We Would Tell Our Younger Photographer Self and let's finish it up. Let's finish it up. If you thought any more about this, things you didn't get to talk about on the last episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one big one after after the fact that we were talking uh, for me was uh, kind of the rush into equipment. 
And I think this is okay. a this is a good point for almost for anything. It doesn't have to be photography, but we'll keep it photography. Um, I, I'm always an advocate of spending a little bit more than you think you want to to get a a better product. As long as you are somewhat convinced that you enjoy the passion, enjoy the craft, enjoy photography. Um, it's easy, I think, to be, uh, you know, sort of teased in the sense of, I, I, I want to save money. I want to get the cheapest camera possible. Uh, but what ends up happening is you get to a point where then you're like, I want to upgrade. And then you're, you're buying two cameras essentially where mm. you could, you could kind of wait and do your research and figure out what's going to be the absolute best for you without going overboard. I think there is an yeah. overboard point with, with some of the equipment. Um, if you're not like sponsored by them or, or, you know, your, your company's paying for it or what have you. But uh, there is a point where you're going to be frustrated slightly now, that's not to say you can't do a lot with a little, but just knowing myself, uh, don't rush into things. Now, I've, I really enjoy my Nikon, but to rush into their mirrorless, which was, a, I think, a quick and unthought out response to the pressure of Sony and Canon coming out with mirrorless, um, I really shot myself in the foot with that purchase because I just was sort of brand loyal and did it as soon as it came out. I didn't look into it enough. And now I have an expensive camera that, uh, I've, I've had a love hate relationship to. Um, but had I known what I know now, I would have slowed down and done my research and maybe made a switch or or been more patient or figured out where I want to go next without jumping into something that's going to give me some problems. So now I have a camera that I feel like, and Seth knows because I've talked to him a lot about it, like, ah, I feel like I need to make a switch, but I, I'm a little bit stuck here with all my lenses and all just the, the, the knowing of the camera and the feeling comfortable with it and all those things. You get a little bit stuck in terms of, switching will be difficult and I've invested a lot in where I'm at. So doing your research is one thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I like the idea too, of any new piece of gear size going one size up, you know, like getting shoes when you're a kid, you grow into them. So you don't have to keep getting new shoes every three months, you know, get something a little bit over your, your current capabilities because that'll force you to learn that language or force you to, fill that space with what you don't know. I think you're right. You can take it too far where you're overwhelmed with tech or you're overwhelmed with features that you really don't need. And why would you pay for that? But if you can see yourself using those features down the road for whatever product, I mean, you just bought a brand new drone, right? Maybe you can talk about that as an example. It doesn't have to exactly be a camera body. It doesn't have to be a lens. It could be, you know, something totally not even photography related. For example, like I just bought new running shoes. We talk about running all the time. I spent a little bit more on pair of Hoka one ones that I know are, you know, I'm not at that level of an advanced runner, but I plan to be like, I have aspirations to do that. So why not, why not fit the part? Right. So why not learn how to use that piece of running tech better? So I think that's very important, but to only size up one, you know, cause we all know it's, it, it's not the gear, but it is right. I think gear becomes a factor when you push, when you begin to push it beyond its limits. Right. That's when gear is a factor. I mean, you give any skilled photographer, 
like a, you give any skilled photographer a Rebel T5i, a basic starter camera, and they're going to do amazing things with it. There's no doubt. But it just allows more versatility and that creative muscle to be flexed more. Yeah. And in the, I was, in just in my experience, nicer things have hold their value better as well. So the the higher you reach in the beginning, the more value that will retain to sell. If you buy a a little, you know, stop and shoot camera, point and shoot camera, uh, three years from now, you might not be able to sell that at all. But high quality lenses, high quality bodies, you will be able to retain and, and get back a lot of that initial sort of investment as well. And I, I always thought about that with like, especially guitars. Like you, if you buy the the top of the line standard guitar from a company, a Fender American-made Stratocaster, it's $1,000 give or take. And if you sell it in 10 years, it's going to be $1,200. Like you are going to maintain that value to what it is. If you buy the cheap guitar uh, for Strat, they're, they're called Mexican made. They are Mexican made Stratocasters. They are, you know, maybe $300, $400. You try to sell that in 10 years, it's going to be worth maybe 50 bucks if you're lucky. So you you end up saving more in the long run and have a an instrument that won't cap out any capability. I also th- learned this in golf and I love the mentality, the mindset of having a very top end piece of equipment. If I knew that my golf clubs were fit to me, my shafts were fit to me, my my clubs were that my ball, like everything was there and it was fit to me and everything was situated to my swing. It's not the equipment's fault anymore. Yeah. You eliminate yeah. the excuse, right? Now you eliminate yeah. the excuse and you eliminate any distractions or what's going on. Yeah. There's no, oh, I, I shouldn't have skimped on that driver off the, you know, I shouldn't have bought that driver off the sale rack for 50 bucks that didn't fit me just because it was cheap. Maybe that's the problem. No. I, I got fit for this. I spent a lot of money on this fitting and fi- fitting my swing, all that stuff. So now it's my swings off. And same with the photography. Uh, you know, like the camera's very capable, but now, oh, I, I was overexposed or my focus was out or there's motion blur. What am I doing wrong? It's right. probably not the camera because it's a professional camera. I need to learn a little bit more. You know, and and that takes away a little bit of the it's not me uh, sort of blaming, and and we always talk about it. You know, that accountability it helps that yep. accountability and just get right back into getting better. Right, my fault. My fault is a growth mindset, even if mm-hmm. it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. You know, my fault because then you find a way to get better. Uh, yeah, there's something to be said. I the, one of the modes I like to operate from is look good, feel good, play good. When everything's dialed in, you have the right gear for what you're trying to do. It's customized the way you want it. You're confident in your setup. You're confident in the camo or the apparel you're wearing. If you're out in wildlife, like you have no, you limit the distractions that could take your attention away from executing. So I'm, I'm big on look good, feel good, play good. And not from a, a not from a standpoint of vanity. No. Just like yeah. for me. Yep. And I think there's a, um, there's also a a slow down button and this is, I'm speaking personally, like I can get into something very quickly and be like, I need to buy something now. Um, This has happened way too many times in my life where 
I buy the the new Mac desktop and then the new one comes out two months later. And it's like, how did I not know that was a dumb move? How did I not know that there's a new product coming out around the corner? I did it with my first drone. I got the Mavic Air 1, I believe, and the Mavic Air 2 came out maybe two months later. And it's like, sometimes you just have to be patient and do some research, get into some blogs, look for some announcements, like those kinds of things before you you jump into anything and and just make sure you're you're really situated and good with what you're doing going forward and you've made the best decision that you can. So to round that one up, that's the, uh, the equipment thing that I would tell myself uh, back in the day, three years ago. Is to size up? Size up and like pay attention and do your research. Really, are the, are the things like make it make it really fit for you, and don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money if you're convinced that it's a real good test. Hey, are, are you going to invest in yourself? It's a really good test. You really love this craft. Are you going to spend some money on something that is, um, you know, a passion and and. F- for solely you at this point and yeah. and go forward with it. I think a good way to know that you're in that zone is if you have that sort of thought of, eh, this is a lot of money, but you know, I can't afford it. Like that's a good place to be. Yeah. And I think that's this a, is not financial probably, advice. <laughs> no, but it's probably there's probably some um, there's probably some business theory behind this. With uh, I'm thinking of like workout gyms, a workout gym that's ten dollars a month. Meh. If I don't go to the gym once this month, it's two cups of coffee. Big deal. But if I if I apply to a, a rock climbing gym or a boxing gym and it's it's a hundred and thirty dollars a month, you better believe. I am sort of investing in the idea that I'm going to go a lot of times and try to make my money's worth it, or at the very least, make it worth my time and feel like I'm I'm getting enjoyment out of this. There's like a responsibility. There's an accountability when you're putting in your hard-earned money towards something. So there's something about like, if you bought a $100 camera, it might just collect dust. If you bought a $3,000 camera, I bet there's some giddy up to like, you know, it's the weekend and you want to relax, like still get up and go get that sunrise. Like go have fun with that camera. You sp- you paid a lot of money on it. So I think it, it does promote a sort of work ethic to try to prove or keep that accountability for what you are investing in. Would you say that's a little bit of sunk cost fallacy though? Do you know what I'm saying? The example we use with concert tickets, I bought the tickets, so I have to go when it's like a hurricane outside. Yeah. Like the money's yeah. already gone either way. <laughs> I get what you're saying though. I think your comparison is against some two different products where one is cheap and one is not. Like you're going to be more yeah. vo- motivated to go to one than the other. But sunken, sunken cost theory could could push you through some barriers potentially. I guess like it, so, right? It, it is that. Like, so, I guess so I'm more that, interested in the framework of the mind behind. Yeah, that, that concert example. Like, oh, I I paid a hundred bucks for these tickets. I don't really feel like going tonight, but I already paid. So you know what? I'm gonna go. And then you go and you meet your future wife. Like it pushed you. 
the the sunken cost thing pushed you to maybe do something you didn't want to do and then created a good thing. So in this case of a passion, like there's there's times I don't want to necessarily go shoot in the mornings or get up for sunrise or go track animal, like whatever it is, there's, there's times where that happens. But if, if there's something motivating you, even if it is a sunken cost to get through a period of like laziness, we could all have a period of laziness. Uh, if it gets us through that, because it's like, Oh, I paid a lot of money for this thing or this new lens. Like I should go out there. And then you see, Oh, you see this amazing owl moment. Holy cow. Like that's, I'm so glad I pushed myself to get out here, whatever the reason was for pushing you. So I, I do hear you. It, I think it is that, but I think that fallacy sunken cost can work maybe double time, right? Like past the, past the negative into another positive potentially. Yeah. I mean, the fallacy doesn't even need to be negative. It's just, I think more an interesting vantage point for human psychology and how irrational we are. <laughs> That's something I'm trying to come to more terms with is we all think we're going off on a big tangent here. At least I am. I'll get the, the ship back on course in, this, in a second here, but we, we think that we're so rational and we are just the most irrational creatures ever. <laughs> you know, the decisions we make and the things we do, it just, I think, there's a level of stoicism in realizing that you're not a rational decision yeah. maker most of the time and how to hone that. I'm, I'm really diving into that idea and with yeah. the aim that it'll serve me better in making even more objective decisions. Anyone that's in the creative field, uh, the Huber, Huberman lab, uh, the with, best podcast ever, yeah, man. With Rick Rubin, that one, um, on unlocking your creative brain. But Rick Rubin's so fascinating. Uh, the producer, he's produced tons of different albums in all genres. The Beastie Boys to LL Cool J to... Adele, right? Adele. Uh, Damien Rice is like one of my favorite albums. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like He's all over the place. But his favorite thing he spends, I think he spends 11 hours a week watching professional wrestling. Yeah. WWE. <laughs> but his, his philosophy behind it's so funny in terms of like, it's the most real thing there is because they, they're in this land of fake and predetermined like storylines and narratives that or they is believe it? in. Or is it? <laughs> And then, then it crosses over to reality, but like we're aware that it's not necessarily real, but we accept <laughs> that it's not real and we accept that it is real versus people that get stuck in their beliefs and like, this is the way it is. It's real this way. And it's like, well, to you, but there's like this whole other world out there. So professional <laughs> wrestling is this like microcosm of what we all believe. Anyways, we're getting... Yeah, no, we're, no. It's we're, the we're Human Lab, we've mentioned it a couple of times. That's an mm -hmm. excellent podcast. It's a great way to nerd out if you really want to in some of the episodes. Like I went for my run the other day and I was listening to a two-hour episode on sodium intake and its effect on <laughs> neural, you know, neural pathways and how yeah. it can be optimized for performance like based on wow. milligrams of sodium. It was Crazy. really, really lame but awesome. You know what I mean? Nerd. It was like... <laughs> Tons of stuff like that. This episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast is sponsored by iStorage. 
iStorage makes state-of-the-art, ultra-secure, and easy-to-use hardware-encrypted portable storage devices, which is just a fancy way of saying they make the best password-protected hard drives so that you have total security over your data and files. I've got a one terabyte SSD hard drive from iStorage called the Disk Assure M2, and it is flipping awesome. Compact, easy to use, and it gives me total ownership over my digital assets so that I'm not worried about theft. The thing's even waterproof. The devices are protected against brute force intrusions. They have independent user and admin pin codes, are password and hardware encrypted, and they'll work on multiple operating systems without the need for annoying software. They'll work on any device with a USB port. Some of their devices even hold up to 20 terabytes, and if that's not enough, they also have encrypted cloud storage so you can easily manage and share your data securely in the cloud. If you're a business owner, consider iStorage encrypted hard drives to build trust with clients over sensitive information, build your brand reputation, and avoid heavy expenses involved in security breaches. There's a 30-day evaluation program for organizations and government bodies. Use the code TPM15, that's TPM15, for 15% off your order when making a purchase on their website. Click the link in the episode description to check out their product line more in-depth. Products are also available on Amazon. Something I would tell myself that we didn't get to last time Mm -hmm. was, I think we've talked about this a little bit on this podcast before, but we're going to revisit it, and that's photograph every genre possible. Oh, that's a good one. Photograph every genre possible because it lets you find out what makes you tick. I mean, how the hell are you going to know if you don't try? I'm a big believer on let your curiosity lead you and 90% of the things that you start off exploring probably won't stick. I mean, like how many things do you look into or start and you're like, okay, I tried it, but it's really not for me. But then there's that maybe 10% arbitrary number. This is like my experience where you you read about it or you look into it and you're like, I could really see myself getting into this. You'd never know unless you didn't let that curiosity train take you there, right? Mm-hmm. So in this instance, you got to try every genre, you know? And I think different genres of photography, excuse me, speak to different personality types. Like for example, if you're an extrovert and you love talking and interacting with people, you could be a a great potentially portrait photographer where you're dealing with makeup artists, models, you know, you're on set lighting people. If you love sitting down with a book, researching behavioral tendencies, patterns, you enjoy quiet time out in nature. Hey, wildlife photography might serve you well. So I think it's important to expose yourself to these genres because you'll find out what excites you and also telling myself that not every genre is going to stick and and that's okay like things are allowed to come and go i mean four years ago i was so into portrait photography like i have a portrait photography page if people look up seth macy ports that i haven't posted Mm -hmm. on in years but i quite enjoyed it it was such a nice creative outlet where you could manipulate the scene the way you wanted so unlike wildlife and and landscapes right it was almost like a different outlet if that makes sense but i also think that there's so many different techniques you can learn in one genre of photography that you can carry over as a creative tool into another genre so like for example taking portraits or lifestyle shots with a 150 to 600 millimeter yeah 
is something you would think is stupid, but like it's so crazy because shooting with that 150 to 600 for wildlife taught me so much about how compression affects the depth of an image and just how focal lengths work. Yeah. It's like if you ever take a portrait or a lifestyle shot with a 400 millimeter, yeah, you look stupid because you need cell phones to talk because you're so far away. But like, look at how beautiful the depth is. So like my point is you can learn so many different techniques and when you fill your tool, like essentially the different genres help you fill your toolbox with skills, you know, hands-on skills of how to operate. And then when you're in a creative and when you're in a certain situation, you can get creative and pull different things out of your toolbox to, that'll help you kind of cultivate your own style of shooting. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was just talking to Nooch about this um, and his, his photography with, uh, concert photography. Everyone's holding a twenty-four to seventy. You like right. that's it. That and he's on a tripod with a six hundred in the back of the house, but zooming through every like rows and rows of heads in the crowd, right. and getting a balloon that looks e- e- like enormous because it's it's zoomed in, and then the whole band in like this depth of field that's that's right there. And we were talking about that, and I was like, hey, I I just did that at it. At a uh, at a cabin shoot, who everyone has like a fourteen millimeter or, or twenty millimeter, and trying to get the wide wide angle. I was two hundred yards away with a six hundred going through a ton of trees and getting the whole cabin in this compressed sort of view that gives it a a very different look and a look that we're used to with um, with animals, and we can we can kind of just see it in our head like this is going to be good uh, and, and make it happen. Not to mention post editing. You know, for landscapes, you you really focus on lighting. Portraits, you really focus on lighting. Then you you have animals, you really focus on lighting, and even how to manipulate light if you need to. Uh, like all those things, like Seth said, exactly. and posing Seth in wildlife. wildlife. Yeah, like just just adding to that toolbox, having that sort of thing where you go, hey, I want to do portraits this weekend. I'm going to look up some editing ideas. Some editing thoughts, some editing ideas, some editing tools, some editing Photoshop techniques, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh, that's cool. Like, look, I can select this uh, subject. I never thought of that. And then that helps you in your main thing. And that main thing gets a little bit, everything levels up a little bit. And that's right. Um, I agree. And it, it also, to, to add to your point, and I agree with your point, um, it, it freshens the, the palate. It's a palate cleanser. It's like, um, I'm, listen, with wildlife, I love wildlife, um, but I'm, I, I'm honestly at a stage where I'm a little tired of the, or fatigued of the concept of, I'm going to go sit out in the woods for four hours and see what happens. You need like, some pace. Yeah, we, we've got, well, we've got like a lot going on. Like right now it's like, oh, that's, that's a big gamble in terms of time. Right. So that's all, that's all that. But so let, let me cleanse my palate with, uh, I'm going to do a photo shoot of portraits this weekend. It'll, it'll be constant. It'll be like, you know, uh, here's the portrait. Let's get it done. Let's, let's, let's shoot it. Let's edit it. Boom, 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 boom. It's something different. And then it, I kind of feel refreshed in a sense, cause it's something new. Yeah. You brought up a good point too. I don't know if you meant to, but it jogged got my my brain going that you could almost use different genres that you're interested in to balance your to balance your life so for example if you're very scattered go 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 maybe 
some four hours out in the woods, open for an owl is just what you need. If you're a little bit low on energy, um, you know, you don't have as much going on, maybe you need a high pace cabin shoot for the weekend. Right. So I think that's also another way to utilize different genres of photography. Uh, if you're someone who has interest in multiple genres or makes, or makes a living in multiple genres to sort of focus on counterbalancing what's going on in your own head and with your own energy. Yeah. A hundred percent. So to wrap up, yeah. Advice to my former self would be try every genre, see what ticks, build your toolbox because it'll serve mm-hmm. you well without you even knowing both in Lightroom, Photoshop and behind the camera on set or on scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are we going to go on to another one? Do you want to do a couple more? Or are we good? Yeah. I got one more. I got one more too. My, mine's a quick one, I think. Um, and I'm not sure I, I didn't do this, but it, it just resonated. The other day, uh, I, I started watching Welcome to Wrexham, which is Wrexham's a, a soccer league in Wales, the league that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McGillney, uh, I'm not saying his name right, uh, but Ryan Reynolds and Rob um, bought this team in Wales. Mm-hmm. And they self-admittedly, I mean, Ryan so much uses the words imposter syndrome and trying to figure out how to run a football team, a soccer team, and uh, all the management parts that are there and not feeling like they're phonies, but really just going for it and, and putting their heart out there and being very vulnerable in terms of the fans and the area and the, the genre and the, just the expertise that they are trying to learn as they go. And it struck me that I think there's a lot of people that wait to be experts before they take a risk. They wait, they wait to be uh, like, I want to, I want to be sure that this girl's going to say yes to the dance before I ask. Like I, I need to know and, you know, use that analogy or metaphor for anything, but something that I've been impressed with, you know, Seth and even myself, if I'm, if I'm just being uh, reflexive or reflective of myself and my, this journey is kind of like going for things and trying and not being afraid of what's going to happen, but going out with like an honest sort of, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to do the best that I can. And I'm not going to be afraid to make a mistake or have to say, Hey, Hey, I made a mistake, but I'm going to make it right. Like all of those things are very reasonable in, in trying to learn something. And if you wait until it's perfect or you wait until whatever, like those opportunities go away and people, you're never going to be perfect. Yeah, that too. Like you're, you you might never get there and it might just be you protecting yourself from the potential failure or the potential, potential hurt. So trying to take those chances, those calculated risks and, and going for things uh, where you're somewhat, you have a little voice that says, I bet I could figure this out, even though it's scary, Mm -hmm. like go for it. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think perfect doesn't exist. Like what is perfect? (laughs) You know, speaking from someone who's in getting better at being, a perfectionist, you know, um, maybe not to the degree of some people, but definitely people know in the past episodes, that's something I've been heavily working on. 
at the end of 2022 leading into 2023 to the point where there'll be things I'm working on where I physically, I know like something is ajar with it and I physically force myself to leave it (laughs) just to build that muscle. So there's no such thing as perfect. I've come to understand. And if you sit around waiting for perfect, you're just never going to take a swing, like take a damn swing. And if you fall on your face, no one gives a shit. At least you'll be happier with yourself that you tried. Are you going to be more miserable that you tried and fell on your face or that you just sat and watched pitches go by? You know, when you're 75, 80 years old, that's going to be a hard, hard, hard question. So at least that's the way I operate. I mean, I'm not here telling people how to live, but, um, and I'm not 85. I don't know what it's like to be 85, but I'm sure that's the case for a lot of individuals. And that's, that sounds tragic. And I don't ever want to have that happen. So I think to your point, like I, myself, I like the idea of let's see what happens. You know, I may not be an expert. I may not be masterful at this thing I'm trying to achieve or I'm trying to pitch or I'm trying to do, but how am I going to get better, more masterful at it if I don't learn the bumps or I don't experience the bruises along the way? It's just when you theorize it like that, it's impossible to make any argument for not making aggressive attempts right mm-hmm. and i think the other thing as well is we'll use we'll use like i don't know work exercise as an example i think some people get it backwards where it's i'm going to start working out when i'm in a good headspace right yeah and what's forgotten is the good headspace comes from working out yeah or I'm going to build a a really good website when I'm a better photographer, when I have better networking skills or I have better IT mm-hmm. skills. Those skills come from building the website. I think it's so easy to get it backwards. Even to your workout thing, like I used to have this mindset of like, all right, I, I should start working out. I'm going to, I'm going to eat really well for two weeks, which isn't a terrible idea to get like, you know, your nutrition underway and whatnot. But on the other hand, there's no need to necessarily start, not work out until that starts, like start working out. And when you run, my, my buddy, John talks about this all the time. When you're running constantly and you're on a training sort of schedule or module where you're following things and you look at your watch and tomorrow's a a 90 minute run, that's going to really convince you to eat well. (laughs) So you can get a good night's sleep and and not, you know, and you got a big run tomorrow and you're, you're accountable for that. And, you know, the, Again, just like the the architecture of the run creates the architecture of the eating, and they happen at the same time. You know, the the working right. out creates the mindset, creates the eating. Like all of that happens all of the time, uh, it, and it's not we need to do one first before we can do that. I think that's a little bit of a again self preservation thing to not have to start right now. Right. Like, right. Uh, have, like I'll make a website once I get my first paid gig. Okay. Or like you take a chance and make a website and that might get your first paid gig. Like yep. It's a, it's an interesting sort of, I need to make sure everything's certain and safe versus the people that 
can take risks and like go for it, just like get after it and tumble and fix it and stand back up and, and redo it. Um, yeah. Not getting it backwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a great point. Yeah. Like, or I'll start a running regimen when I'm more disciplined. It's like, no, the running regimen makes you disciplined. I think there's tons Mm -hmm. of examples. You could sit there if you're listening to this and think of maybe some that maybe apply in your own life that maybe you've overlooked, or maybe those are like some tough questions. I know I've had some of those, right? Um, I'm sure Aaron, you have too, where you're like, I want to be better here and I got to figure out how to do it. You know, what's the order of go here? What's the process? What's the protocol? And that's a growth mindset. Like that's something you should have. So if you have that, don't feel bad and and wallow in insecurity, you know, celebrate the fact that you, you're not ready. You're not willing to settle for, for mediocrity. You know, I think just having that thought of wanting to be better is the best place to start. Yeah. And I posted this Jerry Garcia interview the other I day. I saw that. Yeah. And it, it's just a lot of stuff that we talk about. Like everyone should have something that they are passionate about that shows like a little bit of growth and a process that kind of keys into oh, I'm improving a little bit. And and things that we are attracted to, Seth and I in common, like like rock climbing or or running now, um, are those very linear projects. Art is a little bit different, but there's a way to keep a process just like you do running or rock climbing, where you're like, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to edit every other day or like I'm going to I'm going to watch an hour of editing tutorials every other day for the next year. Yeah. Or like and, in Justin Choquette's interview, I'm going to post every single day, even if it's yeah. trash, like I'm just going to stick to it. Yes. And, and, and make those little process progress checkpoints that you see and you can notice like, Oh, I'm getting better. Like I'm getting better. Like I started running right around Christmas time and I'm by no means fast or winning any races or whatnot. But I look down at the watch when I'm done with a a Garmin prescribed workout based on how I've been doing and see four and a half miles, five and a half miles. And I go, whoa. So does your, does your, I'm going to interrupt you on purpose here. Does your mind ever go to the thought of like, damn, I didn't think I was capable of this. What else am I holding back in? That's where my head's gone. Like where else am I not giving a hundred percent? Where else am I pulling up at 40%, you know, outside of exercise in relationships, in my photography, where am I not reaching my full potential as of right now? Well, what it does for me and it gets more and more clear that voice that's like, you can't do it or you don't want to do this or uh, you're not good enough at this. That voice is less loud, is that's less it. clear. Yeah. And I hear that voice all the time. I hear it in every run that I do. Like, uh, you should, maybe you should walk a little bit. You're tired. And like, uh, maybe tomorrow, like take this day off. Like I hear that voice. But I know from the these experiences where you could go, meh, like I'm not gonna listen to that and just keep going. And yeah, whether it's hey, I, I, I you know, I, I'm I'm a photographer, let's say, and a cabin goes, I want you to make our video for our website, and I go, my head goes like, oh, 
I'm not a videographer. Like that's not my bread and butter. But the other side goes like, you can figure it out. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not a, there's not a time for, like you have, right. you could stay up all night and figure it out. You figured out like, how to know, run five miles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you can get there, like, get it, just do it. Go try, go try. And you'll learn stuff in this one where you mess up or they say like, Hey, I don't like that. Or that doesn't work here. You'll learn stuff for the next time. And then the next time someone says it, you'll go, Oh yeah, sure. So it's that, it's that voice and like the progression that all these little things, I think really get us like jazzed about Mm -hmm. uh, the potential, like you said, to what things can I, things am I holding back on? What things can I really make progression on? What things have I listened to myself with these limiting beliefs that say like, no, running's not for you. you. You're too big for rock climbing. Like those kinds of conversations that you have, and then you bust through barriers that you say, like, mm-hmm. I would never be able to do a V3. And then you do, and then you go, huh, that person's a liar. That person in my own head was a liar. Like I didn't yeah. have to listen to them when they say those things. Yeah, like, we revisit this theme a lot. Yeah. I think it's so important though, um, in any anything you're doing, especially as a creative person, because I think that that voice that you're saying you're able to mute now, I think tends to be a lot louder naturally in creative people again because art is so subjective and again because there's so many unbelievably talented people that you have access to on your phone with one thumb click right on that explore page so i think uh yeah that's all that's all really good stuff i mean i said i had one more we've already kind of talked about it to a degree and that was just um telling my former self to prioritize my health before anything. Mm. You know, I don't know. I can't remember if we've talked about it. We've done enough episodes now. Congrats to episode 150, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> 150. Um, but I was like, hustle culture was my Bible. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, that idea of work harder, no excuses, which I think are good ones. Like, don't get me wrong. They inspire discipline. They spot, inspire people to strive to achieve more, you know, and demand a better life by reaching full potential. It's just when that ide- ideology gets taken to the extreme, like if you're getting eight hours of sleep, you're not working hard enough, you're wasting time, you know, um, or that you need to disappear for weeks on end to focus on your your side hustle like i think that that's so detrimental in the long run Mm -hmm. like you talk about goggins and stuff who claims like he's the hardest man in the world he sleeps like six eight hours a night (laughs) you know what i mean like there is time i think there's just so many distractions throughout the day but like i this is in the blog post too um you know i used to work till three in the morning, computer in bed till my eyes shut and I'd get up at eight and I do that every day. Felt awful, terrible diet. Couldn't stay awake in school. Um, And this one's, I used to like almost fall asleep the wheel. I got to a point where like, I'm going to kill myself or somebody else. I'd pull into rest stations and nap on my center console for 20 minutes. (laughs) So, because like, I thought like, this is what it, this is what it takes to achieve great things. You know, people who are in positions I'd like to be in, this is what they do. This is what uncommon people do. They grind it out. This is grinding. And like, I was married to that lifestyle. Yeah. And 
would make like really dumb mistakes, forget where I placed things, be really irritable at people who cared about me, who I loved, you know, things that went wrong would weigh on me more. And it would be at times, it would turn at times into anxiety and like depression, maybe not to like clinical degrees, but it just got to a point where I like, and I'm still, I'm still, still sort of on this like health mindfulness journey. I'm always trying to get better, mm-hmm. but like, this is maybe th- three, four years ago. I just realized like, I got to do something different. You know, like I got to start sleeping better. I got to start reading. I got to start stretching, taking care of my body because that's what's going to allow me to do my best work. Like I'm not going to be able to show up for clients, for friends, for family on five hours of sleep and like ramen noodles. You know, how am I, how am I supposed to give maximum effort? So it's like one of those things where less is more, you know? And if I'm building a pyramid of the things that are most critical that I do, I think I've mentioned this before. Like I don't even open emails. I don't start editing photos until I've like stretched, rolled out, had a cold shower, worked out, run, taking care of my shit, like taking care of my meat vehicle. Like, you know what I mean? My body, Mm -hmm. because if it's not in as good performance as it can be for the day, everything else suffers. So I wish that I had hammered that into my head when I was a lot younger. And again, this is just a fun experiment. Every, everybody has their hindsights. I get it. But like eat whole foods, read, work out, give your attention where it's really needed the most before you move on to those secondary things. I know they seem like they deserve your primary attention, but those are secondary things that will accelerate and do and perform and you'll do better in those areas by treating that base foundation of needs the best you can. Yeah. Um, well said. I mean, it's just as simple as that. It seems simple. It's, it's not. You know, it's but, not. and there's always, there's always ways to get better, you know? Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's life. It's, you're never there. You're just right. constantly growing. Never done peaking. No, nope. hopefully. Um, that's all. That's it for today, man. That was really, uh, that was good. Glad we wrapped up that things we would tell our former photographer self part two. Again, congratulations to episode 150. That's pretty neat. That's neat. Um, and, um, Message us. I'm coming to Canada. Yes, he is. Yes, he Canada. is. Should we play it again? Should yeah, watch it? out, Canada. Sing the sing the words. Yes, oh, Canada, we stand on guard. <laughs> I yeah. thought the lyrics were about hockey and maple syrup. The whole I could time. make one up for you. Yep. So yeah. again, that's July 10th to the 16th. Banff for two nights, three days. Jasper for four nights, five days. And if we and see a grizzly bear, everyone's trip is free. <laughs> Better not see two, then you got to pay everybody. Yep. But we're still, uh, we're still pinning down our pricing, but it doesn't hurt to. It doesn't cost you anything to put your name down that you're interested in joining. We have seven spots. I don't know if we said that. It's Aaron, myself, and seven others. We'll have three cabins to Kara Lodge when we're in Jasper. They are stunning. 
we're excited about that. And it's going to be a great, um, great balance of epic landscapes and wildlife. The days are long in July. It's nice and warm, but you still have snow on the mountaintops. It's going to be wicked. And I'm excited to have some people there, man. It's going to be great. So it's going to be awesome till next time, man. Take care.